Good morning, everyone. Glad you all could be here this morning for another time to spend together to study God's word and, and Lord willing, a little later on to worship God together uh, on this first day of the week. We're so glad to have you here in person and also online. And we also are grateful for our quite a few visitors that we have here this morning um, from long, long away or just a little ways away. Either way, we're, we're grateful to have you here. You are our honored guest. Let us pray. Our great God in heaven, thank you, Lord, for allowing us to wake up to see today. For we know that there were many, many in this world that did not. And we know that there are those that did not, that did not give their lives to you before it was too late. And Lord God, sometimes, oftentimes, especially when it's our family members, we it makes us sad. But help us, Lord God, not to give up on you. Help us to strengthen our foundation in you, Lord. Help us to also open our mouths and tell others about you, to teach them about your truth. Help us to not get discouraged because maybe they just won't listen to us, Lord. Help us to remember it's not about us. It is our job to plant and water. And it is you that gives the increase, Lord. We're so grateful to you, Lord, and we love you so much. Help us as we go through your study, go through the study this morning, study more of your word, and how we are to be as Christians on this earth. In Jesus' name, amen. So today we start our series in uh, First and Second Peter, Jude, and Philippians. Myself and uh, Tony Cloud will be teaching this quarter. And if you have questions or concerns or something else that you would like to to uh, get from these lessons, please let him or I know. Um, it's always a joy to be able to teach, but even more so to study about what you're going to teach because you seem to learn so much more. Like I have so much information and we have this a little bit of time, right? So I can't, I can't give you everything that I've studied. So I'm hoping that you will study on your own as well. Now, unlike the, the last class I taught, um, cause it was, it was a lot, you know, first and second Kings, first and second Chronicles, that would, that would, that have been a whole lot to read in the class. We will read the verses here, uh, in the classroom, uh, in, in this class so that when we're reading it, and then we're revisiting the verses, this repetition, we'll, we'll learn, I think, learn something. So today we're going to start with First Peter chapter 1. We'll begin with an introduction and, and also uh, get through chapter 1. First Peter was written by the Apostle Peter. As it is stated in, salutation, in the salutation there, um, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, he is the one that, that wrote this. Now there's a lot of internal evidence that supports Peter as the author, for it was written by one who was a witness, chapter 5, verse 1, a witness of the sufferings of Christ. Early sources in, in the um, church history, such as several extra-biblical um, sources that I won't mention all of them here, but they all attribute this letter to Peter as well. Peter was assisted by Silvanus, or we also know him as Silas. Um, in chapter 5, verse 12, it's talked about that. He was a well-known prophet, which we're told that he was a prophet in Acts chapter 15, verses 32 through 34. 
and a missionary in the early church. So Acts chapter 15, 16, and 17 talks about Silas and how he was very helpful, not just to Peter, but also to Paul uh, in writing some of, of his epistles, who also joined Paul in writing some of his epistles. This book was written, or a letter was written, to um, to recipients of the pilgrims of the uh, dispersion. You see that in verse, yeah, chapter, chapter 1, verse 1, to the pilgrims of the dispersion in Pontus. The term dispersion is found in John 7.35 and was used to describe Israelites uh, who had been scattered following the Assyrian and Babylonian captivities. Uh, we actually talked about them uh, in First and Second Kings, First Second Chronicles, seven hundred to five hundred BC. This leads many to suppose that the epistle was written to Jewish Christians, as was the case in James chapter one, verse one. And you read there it says um, it's written to the twelve tribes that were were scattered. However, there is indication that some of his readers, Peter's readers, were Gentiles. Um, they were Gentile convert, converts who had come to believe in God through Jesus. Christ, um, and we see that in verse 21 in chapter 1. And that Peter applies the term dispersion to Christians in general, just as he applied other designations to the church that were formerly applied to the nation of Israel. Uh, chapter 2, verses 9 through 10, he says there that they are a chosen generation and a royal priesthood. Now, before I go on, I think it's important that you understand that when we start a study, uh, like this all together in, in a book or epistle, we do an introduction to get us a, a general idea of what we're going to get into, um, the history around it. And there's so much more. Um, in fact, one of the, the uh, commentators, one of his uh, brothers in Christ that wrote an entire just long lesson about this spent, I think, like 20 pages just on introducing Peter and what he was dealing with. We don't have 20 pages worth of time right now to do that. And so again, go back and, and read about, um, read about the, the time and the area and, um, and where actually he's writing this from and who he's writing it to. Uh, Peter's initial audience were, were Christian pilgrim, pilgrims, chapter two, verse 11, who were living in Pontus, uh, Galatia, Cappadocia, uh, Asia and Bithynia promises in what is now Turkey. Paul had traveled extensively in some of these areas. Bithynia, a notable exception. Acts 16 verse 7, uh, the Holy Spirit would not permit them to go into Bithynia. So the gospel had been given much opportunity to spread throughout the region. Now the time and place of writing is generally accepted that Peter died during the reign of uh, Nero. Since Nero committed uh, suicide in 68 AD, the epistle must be dated before then. A common view is the epistle was written on the eve of the Neronian persecution, perhaps alluded to in chapter 4, verses 12 through 19, if you want to look there right quick. Chapter 4, starting at tw verse 12, says, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's uh, sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. 
If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you for the spirit of glory and of God and of God rests upon you. On their part, he is blasphemed, but on your part, he is glorified. And this places its composition around this, this epistle around 63 to 64 AD. Peter indicates he wrote from Babylon in chapter 5, verse 13. Now, some question whether it refers to the literal Babylon or, or is he using the name as a code word for Rome or perhaps even Jerusalem? Um, Barnes, Lightfoot, and other folks argue that literal Babylon is meant. Others point out that Mark chapter 5 verse 13 had been in Rome with Paul. Peter had been in Rome with Paul during his first and second imprisonment. And that Peter is linked to Rome by such writers as Papias and Irenaeus. While possibly Rome or even Jerusalem uh, is contented, to, I'm content to say that the epistle was written from Babylon. Letting others debate whether it was literal Babylon or not. I think sometimes there are some things that we get so caught up in um, that really, okay, is that important? Is it important that he wrote it in Babylon or he wrote it from this place? He wrote it, and there's really the information that's in here is what what's important. Now, the purpose of the epistle. It is apparent from the epistle that Christians in Asia Minor had experienced persecution, verse 6, chapter 1. And more suffering was on the way, in chapter 4, we read that. Throughout the epistle, Paul encourages them to remain steadfast. And he reminds them of their blessings and duties that are incumbent upon them as God's elect, or God's chosen, or God's special people. Therefore, Peter writes in chapter 2, verse 9, to remind them of their special privileges as God's holy nation. Chapter 2, to instruct, chapter 2, verses 11 through 12, was to instruct them as their proper conduct. And chapter 3, chapter 5, verse 10, to encourage steadfastness in the face of persecution. So, the reason why I stumbled over that a little bit is because what I, what I wrote down is what we need to do as well as, as Christians. I wrote them in order of what I think is important for us uh, as I'm reading, as we read through and study through First Peter. To remind us of our special privilege as God's holy nation. We're often reminded here from the pulpit um, that we are not just Christians when we're sitting here in these blue chairs. When we are out and about, we're still God's children. We should act accordingly. We need to remember that that when we're out and about, just because someone may not know that you are a Christian, God does, and God is always watching, right? He's always there. And I think sometimes we get into a point where, well, they, she won't see me, he won't see me, I'm away from them. You know, sin starts where? In your heart, Right? Uh, I, I remember sharing with you all, I believe, before, um, there was an older sister who was bedridden. Her, her daughter um, would come to worship in the morning and then take her communion, uh, her communion uh, right after service. And when she would get ready to come back or when she was leaving to go to come back to worship, her mom would say, hey, please pray for me. She said, why do we need to pray for you? You, uh, and she was speaking of sin. She said, why do I need to pray for you? You're just, you're here. You don't have opportunity to sin. She said, I can sin right here in this bed with my mind because God is watching me. 
not not I, I can say I'm not because God is watching me, but God is watching me, and I owe Him that. I owe Him to know that I know He's watching me, and so we need to remember that. We need. Uh, he wrote this also to instruct them to, uh, as their proper conduct. I think sometimes we forget ourselves and who we belong to. And it's, it's easy to do that. You give me, you give me this anger and frustration and madness, I'm going to give it right back to you. Don't we do that sometimes? We reflect sometimes what we get. And, and it's hard because we're human. But then we need to remember, I'm, I'm, I'm a Christian though, and I, ca- I can't be that way. And so I'm thankful for the opportunity that God gives us to repent and ask for forgiveness and move on. Um, but if he didn't have to tell them that, if they were doing everything perfectly, he wouldn't have to instruct them of that. He also uh, wanted to encourage steadfastness in the face of persecution. And and I was thinking about this one. We, we are not persecuted in the way that these Christians were, not, not physically. You know, people were dying. People were, you know, being crucified. People were being impaled. You know, uh, I talked about Nero and how... You know, Tony has talked to us about him, how just he was just insane in the things that he did to people. Um, and, I, and I mean that literally. He has he has some problems, but we do get persecuted. You know, just turn on the news. Just look at what you're what you deal with when you go out into in the public, um, what you deal with when you are at work. But also think about while this is not necessary persecution, it does challenge us at times. When, say, in the last couple of years, we, we've dealt with COVID and we've had some challenges with that. And throughout the world, the church has cha- been challenged with filling the seats back up, been challenged with trying to keep um, folks faithful to the Lord, which I can't do that for you. You have to do that for yourself. You, I can, all I can do is encourage you uh, and all you can do is encourage me, but I have to make up in my mind, I'm going to still serve the Lord. My point is that in this last couple of years, and maybe even before now, maybe even right now, you may be challenged with staying faithful to the Lord. Peter is reminding these Christians, and I want to encourage and remind you, stay faithful, steadfast to the Lord. Don't give up on him. Because guess where he always is? In the same place he's always been. It is us that moves. So the theme of the, the epistle is filled with, uh, this epistle is filled with practical admonitions concerning their conduct especially as sojourners. This is someone who stays somewhere temporarily in a in a hostile land um, in this time. They are told how to behave in the midst of those who speak evil of them, who abuse them, who do not believe their message, and simply because they are Christians. That could be us, right? It could, it could easily be us. They, they People will speak evil of us because we want to believe in God's word. I want to stick with what the word says. Not just what the red words say, all of it. All of it. I want to stick with what God's word says. They want to abuse us. They talk about us. They, they, they will say, well, if you want to do this, we're going to make a rule that you can't do that, you know, um, because you're a Christian. And who don't, who don't believe their message or our message? It is too easy, as people have said. You just get in the water and then you're, you're saved? That's too easy. You got to do all this other stuff too. They don't want to believe this message that God is merciful, God is kind, but God is also still a God of wrath. And God will, um, vengeance his mind, says the Lord. God, God is still 
the same God. Um, the key verse that I would like us to pull from this epistle is over in chapter 2, verse 11 and 12. <clears throat> it says, Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works which they observe, glorify God in the day of, of visitation. Now, we'll talk about chapter 2 next week, but I, w- I want to go back to that word sojourner. Um, I said a sojourner is someone who stays somewhere temporarily. Consider that our souls are staying, are, we're, we're sojourners. We're just here temporarily. This is not our home. What the song said, we're just passing through. We're just passing through. And so we need to remember that, that we are continually, we should be continually um, ensuring that our souls are right with God. Because we want to present ourselves to God in the way that his word says. We, we, we sin as Christians, but we shouldn't be living in sin. Because there's a difference, right? And we should always be living in a life, a penitent life uh, where I'm, I'm constantly seeking God and, and seeking his mercy, his grace is, his grace is there already, but seeking his mercy, which is there as well and seeking his forgiveness uh, of my sins, because you just never know when your life is going to end or when this world is going to end. And I'm going to tell you, there are a lot of beliefs, as you know, out there that well, you know, when it's over, it's over. That's it. There's nothing else after this. Or I'm just going to put a settlement out there on Mars, and then we'll continue to keep living on. Or or I'm going to freeze my body, you know, put it in stasis for, you know, I'm reading a book right now, I like science fiction, reading a book right now, and, and people thought they were going to be in stasis for 100 years. They've been in stasis for 5,000 years, and they think, oh, well, I just live forever. Let me tell you, the Bible doesn't talk about anything like that. <laughs> when we die, and when God is ready for judgment to happen, our souls will go to meet him. And there's only one or two places. I know where I want to be. I know where you want to be too, right? Heaven. But I don't want to be in hell. That's the only other place that we're going to be. And I want to make sure that my soul is ready. But I can't think that way if I think, well, after this, I'll just get reincarnated as a snail. And then when I die as a snail, I'm going to come back as a cow. Or I might come back as James Harris next time. Right? And James will come back as Baby Jaylee or something like that. You know people believe that. Y'all know it. Right? This is temporary. And so we are sojourners. All right, so let's let's get into the uh, chapter one here. Hopefully, you have you have your Bibles either on your devices or one in your hand. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the pilgrims of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in sanctification of the Spirit for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace to you, and peace be multiplied. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, according to his abundant mercy, has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, 
to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than, than gold that perishes, Though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not having not seen you loves, who excuse me, whom having not seen you love, though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of joy, glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Of this salvation, the prophets have inquired and searched carefully, who prophesied of the grace that would come to you, searching what or what manner of time the spirit of Christ who was in them was indicating when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. To them it was revealed that not to themselves, but to us, that they were ministering the things which now have been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel to you. By the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things which angels desire to look into. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lust, as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on the Father who, without partiality, judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct excuse me, received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit and, and sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible. Through the word of God, which lives and abides forever, because all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of the grass. The grass withers, and its flower falls away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Now this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. What we see, again, in the, the introduction, still into Peter, uh, First Peter, is that in chapter 1, verses 3 through 12, we find out about our salvation in Christ. Chapter 1, verse 13 through chapter 5, verse, <clears throat> verse 11, we see our duties in Christ. And then we, we have the conclusion in chapter 5. Um, as we consider the terms used by Peter to describe the people of God, he says... The pilgrims of the dispersion, the elect, or obedient children. 
Um, that's one of the objectives that we we need to consider. Also, we need to reflect upon the salvation or the inheritance and grace to come at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Thirdly, to note how we have been served by prophets, apostles, angels, the Holy Spirit and Christ. And also to be reminded of the need to live holy lives, as I mentioned before, conducted with reverence toward God, with fervent and sincere love toward our brethren. I underline those two words here in my notes because we need to be reminded of that, that we need to have fervent and sincere love toward our brethren. Peter begins this, this first epistle to Christians in Asia Minor by acknowledging their election according to God's foreknowledge, made possible by the sanctifying work of the Spirit and for obedience and sprinkling by the blood of Jesus. He then praises God for their living hope, incorruptible inheritance, and glorious salvation to be revealed in the coming of Christ. And despite grievous trials, as we mentioned earlier, um, possibly from Nero, the power of God in their genuine faith protects them and gives them inexpressible joy. Their salvation to come was foretold by the prophets and preached in the gospel by those inspired by the Holy Spirit. So going back to um, starting right back at the beginning of the epistle, I want to mention something that that um, some of you are aware of because you've been part of, of denominations that consider this. But um, the question I have for you was, was, and this is a class, so you can speak. Um, was Peter the first pope? No. He was the second pope? <laughs> the pope. Turn to First uh, Timothy chapter 6. Your answer is correct, yes. And, well, the first one. He was not the second pope. He was not a pope at all. <clears throat> chapter 6, verse 15. It says... Well, we can start in verse 13. I urge you in the sight of God who gives life to all things and before Christ Jesus who witnessed the good confession before Pontius Pilate that you keep this commandment without spot blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ appearing, Christ is appearing, which he will manifest in his own time. He who is the blessed and only potentate, the king of kings and the lords, Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, dwelling in unapproachable light, whom no man has seen or can see, to whom be glory, be honor and everlasting power. Amen. The reason why I mention this, I know Pope is not, the word is not the same spelled like potentate, but wouldn't you say, well, the, the word potentate means ruler, sovereign, one who yields great power or sway. Wouldn't you say that the Pope feels that way or how it's set up? One that, that has, who's the ruler, who's sovereign, who, who wills great power or sway. Also, he puts himself in the place of being the one who has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, who no man has seen or can see. Wait a minute, we see, we see this man, right? To whom be honor and everlasting power and amen. What I'm, what I'm getting at is that, um, Peter, the Peter we know was not that person. The Peter that we know we read about. And, and when, where, where does the, if Peter was the first pope, where does the pope live right now? 
y'all can answer come on where does he live rome right he lives he lives in rome there's no evidence peter was ever in rome all right paul did not build on the foundations of others if you look at uh roman romans 15 and verse 20 and hopefully you'll, you'll see my point here it's not to beat up on any person out there but <clears throat> when the false teaching is out there we have to speak against it it says in romans 15 20 and so i have made it my aim to preach the gospel this is paul speaking not where christ was named lest i should build on another man's foundation uh, paul wanted to impart spiritual gifts to the romans but peter if he was there would have already done that if he had been in rome in Romans 16, 3 through 16, Peter is not even mentioned, which is unthinkable if he were in Rome. Only Luke is with Paul in Rome, 2 Timothy 4, 11. There is too much evidence in the New Testament against Peter being a pope. Peter refused to accept worship, um, to accept worship in Acts 10, 25. James, not Peter, made the decision in Jerusalem, in the Jerusalem Council in Acts 15, 19. Peter was openly rebuked by Paul, Galatians 2.11. I don't think if the Pope was something, someone that, you know, we're supposed to revere, someone that we are to look up to, someone who is a ruler, a sovereign, one who, who yields great power, would be getting fussed at or, or, or told what to do and not to do by someone else. And Paul was right in, in getting on Peter. And it reminds us of what we are supposed to do. Don't be playing favorites. Don't don't uh, don't have partiality because God doesn't have partiality. Uh, in, in that sense, and who um, he, he's open salvation to everyone. Peter also was married. Uh, Pope is not married. First Corinthians nine five. Jesus is the head of the church, both in heaven and also here on earth. Matthew twenty eight eighteen through twenty. All right, so we got that out of the word. Peter's name had been Simon before Jesus renamed him. Sometimes he was called Simon Peter, but the, here he refers to himself by the name of the, the Lord gave him. Uh, the apostles were ones who were sent on special missions, and the pilgrims, as we talked about earlier, they were um, strangers. And in this sense, they were sojourners. And I want to relate that back to us again. We'll, we're just pilgrims. We're just passing through. We're sojourners. This is not a place. Earth is not where our final destination is. We, we, sojourners or pilgrims were to dwell alongside those of a strange land. This is also used to those who have a deep attachment and a higher allegiance in another sphere. Going back to talking about the dispersion that is spoken about in, here in verse 1. The dispersion sown as uh, as seed Hosea one four through eleven, Jezreel um, was part. You, you can see that about Jezreel. Also, with the hope of being gathered or harvested by God, Jews to Jerusalem and, and Hosea and Christians to heaven. I hope that one day that the Lord will will bring us uh, to heaven with Him, because that's that's our ultimate our ultimate uh, goal is. Again, the recipients of, of this letter were the pilgrims of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, and, and also to the elect or the chosen ones. There was an inheritance, and our inheritance is heaven. This inheritance 
if you just look at the word inheritance, it's the, it means the property to be received by the heir. And I believe we are all heirs. We want to be all heirs of the, of the kingdom. <clears throat> Our salvation is found in chapter 3, excuse me, verse 3 through 12. He says there we are born again to a living hope. Born again to a living hope. And in verse 5, uh, it says there, who are kept by the power of God through the faith through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. I want you to think about this word kept that's there. To protect with a garrison or a military guard, like a band of soldiers stationed around the faithful in order to protect and guarantee their safety so long as they remain inside the stockade of faith. The present tense is shown there. Uh, present tense particle shows this action is in progress and therefore continuous and unfailing. Who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to reveal and be revealed in the last time. I want you to consider that the salvation that came, um, that comes through Christ or came through Christ by God was not just a one time thing. Not to say that Christ needs to die again for our salvation. My point is that I don't want to say, and I'm not saying once saved, always saved. But what I am saying is that what Christ came and did, he only needed to do it once for it to continue on. And that we, we need to, I don't know, that faith that we have in Christ and God, we need to, we need to keep it safe. And the way we do that is staying in his word and being around like-minded individuals um, in Christ and, and helping each other get to heaven. And, and when I see you heading in the wrong direction, I help bring you back and you do the same, same for me. And here's the thing. Um, many of us have been in the military before. You couldn't just get out, right? You had to wait for your time to end your enlistment or your commission to be um, done with. Um, you had to, you know, you sign a contract and, and once your, your time was up, then you could leave. The thing with, with our salvation is there. But God is not saying, He's not keeping His hands on us saying, um, well, I'm not going to let you go. I don't care if you want to go. God will let you walk away from Him. And that's not a good thing. We shouldn't walk away from God. But God will hold on as tight as you if you allow him to. He will help you get through the struggles and, and, and problems that you have in life. You just got to have faith in him to know that God is true. His word is true. Um, that what it says is, is, is right. Even when it steps on our toes, it's supposed to do that. In fact, if it's not doing that, if you're saying, well, I don't ever have any problems in life, then there's something wrong. There, there's, there, there's something wrong. And I don't, I don't wish problems on folks, but the guarding, um, of this faith or, or is through faith and not an independent operation of God's power without our participation and effort. That's, that's what I'm trying to get at is that, um, God provides salvation for us, but we have to do something. We have to participate in this. We have to 
stay in his word and study and learn more and more and more. How many of you have been members of the church um, of the body for a long time and you're still learning learning things? I know all hands to be risen, right? You know, it doesn't matter how long you've been part of faith. You still have the capacity to learn. I love this brain that God gives us. It never fills up. You you consider that it it just you just take so much content in. It's not like a um, a laptop that after a few years, man, I got to get another one because the, the hard drive is too full. I got to put something external to it. God has given us this, and we can just keep learning, learning, learning. And it, I think for me, it builds my faith when I go through struggles and trials. And I trust in God. And things happen later on. I can go back and say, well, God took care of me back then. Well, what about God took care of me yesterday? <laughs> why, why don't I think he will take care of me today? <clears throat> so when we get to verse 8, we see reasons to love God. If we didn't already have reasons. First John 4.19 Let's us know that he loved, he first loved us. Romans 5, 5 through 11, even while we were sinners, God still loved us. Those, those are to me enough reasons, right? But there's so much more. There's so much more. Um, if I can share with you all, I've said this to you all before. But now I, I know exactly where the verse is. If you look at uh, Job chapter 26, Job chapter 26, I'll give you, I'll give you one more reason to, to love God even more. Job chapter 26 verse 13 says, by his spirit, he adorned the heavens. His hand pierced the fleet, uh, fleeing servant, serpent. Indeed, these are the mere edges of his ways. And how small a whisper he, we hear of him, but the thunder of his power, who can understand? It says, these are the mere edges of his ways. I want you to consider everything that you, that you know about God. Everything that you see, the beauty outside of the mountains and the flowers and the birds that are flying around and the people that you see and, and just, just think about, I want you to think about everything you know about God and all the power that he has and the things that we've read about, especially in the Old Testament of all the wonderfulness that he did and, 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 and parting the, the, the seas and, and, you know, just, just think about it so much. Just think about all of that. Think about how God said, let there be light. And God created man out of dust and how God created women from a rib from a man and how just, just want you to think about all of that. And it says here, those are just, that's just the edge. That's just the edge. That's just a little bit of the little bit of power. That's how I'm, that's how I think of it that way that God can do. Think about that. Think about it. I mean, just, and then there's so much more. Many more reasons, Jesus. It's another reason to love God, right? I mean, and that's what Peter is getting at. Peter comes back. He's telling telling them, and in and, and, and a sense, I'm encouraging us through what Peter is saying. This is the reason why we should have a living hope, because we've been born again. That 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 verses six through nine um, tells us about producing joy in the midst of suffering even though we suffer even though we go through the problems of life and changes and 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 
ugliness and bad and all the just what Satan throws at us. And you know what? Let's be careful. As, as Tony has been reminding us, we can't blame everything on Satan. All right? We can't blame everything. Yes, there's traps that he lays out. But, you know, uh, Satan's traps, you can see them. He don't hide them. It's right there. And what we do, we don't, instead of stepping over it or around it, we go, I don't know. Let me, and you know, we go right into it. We choose, as James talks about. We, with our own desires, a lot of times we just want to sin. And, and, and Peter's remind, reminding us that, look, when you have problems in your life, stick with God. Stay with God. Uh, we're just, we're served by the prophets and the apostles. We can look back and see what they did, what they were looking forward to. Something I wanted to make sure that, that we, we see, um, in verses 10 through 12 is regarding our salvation, um, the prophets inquire and search diligently. You realize that those folks that came behind before us, before Christ came, they never saw Christ. They never saw the salvation, but they, they foretold it. They talked about it and they looked forward to it. We have a duty in Christ. We have to have holy conduct, verses 13 through 21. It says there that we need to gird up the loins of our mind. <clears throat> and and I, I hope you understand what that means. But you get ready to do some work, you know, you get yourself ready. When you we, we're talking about teaching others about Christ or making sure that my soul is ready to meet God, we're not laying back in an easy chair, welcome, or eventually people will show up because they see the sign outside. It says Church of Christ, that'll get them to come in. You know, no, we got work to do on our own, our own souls, and also to help others know why, 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 if you knew there was a bomb in somebody's house, you knew exactly where it was, you knew what time it was going off, that's the only difference. We don't know when Christ is coming back. But you knew what time that bomb was going on. And you knew there were a whole bunch of people in that house. Well, they'll figure it out. No, you know it. Go in there and help save those folks. Well, we don't do the saving. Get, understand me. We don't do the saving. But I'm at least tell you there's a bomb in your house. Hey, and it's going off on this time. So I plant it and I water it. I'm trying to tell y'all, hey, it's, it's, it's going to happen. Okay, you don't, okay, it's in there. You don't want to listen? Okay, I tried my best. I'm going on to the next, right? And we can feel bad and sad when that bomb goes off and all those people die. Or we can feel bad and sad when people die without Christ. And it is sad. But it's not much, that's not what you, you can't do anything about that. We each have to give our lives to the Lord. We each have to stand before the Lord on our own. Right? I can't give account for you and you can't give account for me. Uh, we, we got to have holy conduct here. Remember, we're sojourners. And then lastly, in the end of the chapter, we're supposed to have fervent and pure love. Fervent and pure love. Since you have been purified your, your souls, um, since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit and sincere love of the brethren, having been born again, not a corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. It says there all flesh is what? All flesh is what? Like grass. What are we doing with our grass right now that's growing, growing rampant? You, you forget that it was just like two months ago and there was a whole bunch of snow and ice out on the ground, right? 
And then all of a sudden, I mean, if you have never been to Alaska, those of your own life, you've never been to Alaska, you would not know that it's not all snow and cold all the time, even though I know people think that. You would not know that right now, other than looking at the tops of the mountains. And the grass grow, but when you're ready to get rid of it, you mow it down, don't you? you go, our, our, our lives are just like that. Our flesh is just like that. Our souls is what lives on. So we need to ensure that we have sincere love for um, the brethren, having been born again, not a corruptible, but a seed, but incorruptible. I said already, the grass withers and its flower falls away. But what does it say about the word of the Lord? It endures forever. Because the word of the Lord is God's word. It's him. He lives forever, for eternity. He's been living for eternity. Before him, there was none. There was always him. And there will be nothing after him. But he's always going to be. And so, I don't know why we get into our minds that, well, I can just do this right over here. And and then I can just give my life back to God. You don't know that's going to happen. So constantly, consistently, stay endure in the faith. No matter how hard it gets, stick with God. He is always the answer. Next week, we'll go into chapter 2. I'm so glad you all were here this morning. And uh, I ask that you go ahead and read chapter 2 and 3. You'll probably get through the middle of chapter 3 next week. And uh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you all for being here. Now let us get ready to worship our Lord.